Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the second evening service of Saturday the 20th of February 2010, entitled, The Most Vital Key to Victory. And the Bible reading is taken from Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 14. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. I said to the young people this afternoon that uh, what Jesus saw with his eyes affected his heart. What we see with our eyes really ought to affect our heart. What we saw today when we were on the streets of the bullring ought to affect our heart when we see things like that take place, when we see somebody throw the gospel in the trash bin. But do you know, I'm thankful that he said, if I be lifted up, Jesus said, I'll draw them in unto me. And it doesn't matter if they throw it in the, in the, in the, in the bin. He said, his word will not return void unto him. Thank God for his promises. Amen. Ephesians chapter number 5. In verse number 14, I don't think there's a person in here, if you were playing a ball game in some type of activity where you had an opponent and you wanted to defeat that opponent, you would try to find the weakest link in your opponent's arsenal and then you would use your, you would use your uh, sharpest tool, uh, the most precise weapon that you had to defeat your opponent. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to submit to you tonight that we have one of the most powerful tools at our disposal 24-7, 100% of the time, if we allow it to be used in our life. It's not the Word of God. It's the Spirit of God. Now, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter number 5 and look at verse number 14. It says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Let me stop right there and say this. We've got a lot of churches today are much like what was taking place when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, Matt. Jesus went into that garden. He said, I want you disciples to stay right here. I'm going to go a little farther and I'm going to pray. And he said, you watch and pray while I go a little farther. But he went back and what did he find, Romani? He found them sleeping. And he said, wake up. He went away and he prayed again and he prayed and it sweat as it were great drops of blood fall on the ground. And he went back and found his disciples asleep again. He went again away to pray again, and then he came back to say this to his disciples, sleep on now. I wonder how many churches that we visit or we're part of where the Holy Spirit of God has come and said, wake up, wake up. But yet only to leave and come back and say, wake up, wake up, only to go again and come back and say, sleep on now. The Spirit of God's departed. There ain't nothing going on inside but religious activity. I want to ask you tonight, are you awake? If you're not, the God of heaven says, wake up. And if you are awake, He says, stay awake. That don't mean just while I'm preaching. That's talking about your daily walk with Him. Wake up. Isn't that to call Steve? Wake up. But I want you to look at verse number 15. He said, see ye, see then that you walk circumspectly. He don't just say, wake up, Chris. He says, walk up. He says, I want you to wake up, but he just says, see, you then walk, see that you then walk circumspectly. I often wondered, you know, words mean a lot in the Bible, and I looked up the word circumspectly, and it literally means this. It means when you walk, you watch where you're walking, every step. Now, you may not know this, and I know we're, we live in a city. You don't see a lot of, uh, of, of open, um, you know, fields with corn and grain being wheat. Well, I was raised on a dairy farm with cattle. Now, when you walk through the fields where I live, you have to walk circumspectly. Do you get my drift? 
You have to watch where you're stepping every single step. And that's what the Holy Spirit of God inspired Paul to write to the church at Ephesus. He said, see then that you walk circumspectly. Look at what he said. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise. You know what the word unwise means? It means don't be an airhead. Don't be dumb on purpose, if you will. Don't be an airhead, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Look at verse 18. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. Let's say that again. Be not, listen, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. Look at verse 20, uh, 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 21 says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Can I speak to you tonight on this topic? The most vital key to victory in your life. The most vital key to victory in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you, if you'll look at verse number 18, I want to just park right there for about 15 minutes, all right? Number one, I want you to see this about our topic tonight. It says, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, can I submit to you that what Paul told the church is just as significant for us today, and it is this. We need to be fully controlled and influenced every single day of our life by the Holy Spirit of God. He didn't say, listen, there is a comparison contrast here. Do you know? He says, you know what? There were people in that day that were being influenced, totally controlled by alcohol. He said, listen, church, don't be drunk with wine wearing his excess, but the contrast is be filled with the Spirit. Now, folks, let me give you just a few things tonight. Number one, I want you to see the command for being spirit-filled. There's a command right here for being spirit-filled. The two words, be filled, in the Greek language is powerful. Number one, and I'm going to make some statements, but I don't want you to scare, I don't want you to scare you to death, all right? Number one, these two words, be filled. They're in what we would consider the imperative mood in the language, in the Greek language. It's an imperative. In other words, it's a, it is not a suggestion. It is a command that you be spirit-filled. Now, let me ask you a question. If I walked in here tonight, before I got in the pulpit, before Mike gave his presentation, and everybody went, what's that smell? And they came down to me and they went, wait a minute, is Brian, Brian smells like he's been drinking. And I got up and I staggered to the pulpit, and I got up there and I said, take your Bible and turn it. Just turn wherever you want to. You know what you'd say? You'd say, that man's not fit to preach. Get him out of our church. And I'd hope the deacons would drag me out of here and I would never be invited back. Why? Because you know what? I would be totally controlled and that would be sin, right? This is yes, this is no. I'd be totally controlled by alcohol. But can I say this, ladies and gentlemen, from here to the back row? If you walk in your flesh and not fully controlled by the Spirit of God, it's just as much a sin if you do that as if you came in here drunk tonight. Just as much. Because why? You say, preacher, why do you say that? Because, ladies and gentlemen, it is an imperative, it is a command that you be spirit-filled. It's an imperative mood. But not only that, it's in the plural form. You say, preacher, what do you mean by that? 
It, listen, it says, and be filled with the Spirit. Do you know what? It is not just the preacher's job or the deacon's job to be filled with the Spirit. It's every single individual in the church's job to be controlled and influenced by the Holy Spirit of God. Every single individual. It's in the plural form. But not only that, it's in the passive voice. You say, preacher, what does that mean? It means you can't do it to yourself. It has to be done to you. Listen, folks, I have had it. You need to get your doctrine and your Bible right. If you're going to quote it, quote it right. Let me say something to you. If you've been saved by the grace of God and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the day that you got saved, you got as much of the Holy Spirit as you'll ever get as a person. As you ever will. I've had people say this, Preacher Russ. Well, you know what? I got saved on May the 20th. There are some people that says you can't get the Holy Spirit till later on. Now let me ask you a question. If you get saved today, Peter, and you don't get the Holy Spirit till July, and you die in May, where are you going to spend eternity? Well, let me tell you where you're going to spend eternity. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says, If any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. You need to get your... Listen, you've got just as much of the Holy Spirit today as you'll ever have. Now let me tell you something. Are you totally controlled by him? See, Romani, if I set a glass up here, and I'll do it, if I set a glass up here, and this was, a, this was a, a, a slick surface, and I set it right there, and I came up and I ran, and I hit the pulpit, and it was totally filled to the brim, what would happen to the water inside the cup? It'd spill over. Now let me ask you something. Are you like this glass and just about three quarters full of the Spirit of God? Or are you totally controlled and totally filled by the Spirit of God? You say, preacher, I don't believe it's an, I believe it's an impossibility to be totally filled. No, it's not. It's a command. You can have the ability to be controlled and influenced by the Spirit of God every single day of your life. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Number two, it's not only in the imperative mood, it's in the plural form. Everybody is to be filled. Everybody. It says, and when they were up in that room praying, that the place where they prayed shook, and it says they were all, let me say it again, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost of God. All filled. Not just a few. The whole lot was filled with the Spirit of God. Ladies and gentlemen, it's in the passive voice. It means you can't do it to yourself. You've got to have somebody do it to you. How many of y'all have ever seen a work glove jump up off of a table and go change a tire by itself? It don't do it, right? In order for that work glove to do something, it's got to have a hand in it. And do you know what? If you go into anything you do, whether it's into a Sunday morning service, whether you're playing a, a, an, an instrument for the glory of God, whether you go to the foreign mission field, if you go there and you just go in your own flesh, you're like a glove without the hand. Some of y'all give me that look again. See, it's in the imperative mood. It's command. It's in the plural form. It means everybody's to be filled. It's in the passive voice. That means that you can't do it to yourself. It has to be done to you. But ladies and gentlemen, it's in the present tense. That means it's a continual action. Conti how many, now most of y'all in here, how many of you have been driving for more than five years? Raise your hand. Okay, that leaves a few of you. My daughter just got her license. When we went out and, 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 I took her out on some rural roads out where we live in the country. I mean, we live so far back in the woods, they have to pipe in sunlight. That's how far back in the woods we live. 
<laughs> I took her out to try to teach her how to drive a manual stick. See, in America, it's not as common. Everybody gets an automatic transmission. But in here in, this, in, in UK, everybody usually has a manual shift. Well, let me tell you something. When you try to teach somebody that ain't never drove before how to drive a manual stick, it's like, I said, honey, change the gears. You're going to blow the thing up. I mean, it'd give you holy whiplash, all right? And I'm in that car, and she'd hit the brake. I was like, oh, man, i got to get out of this thing. She's killing me. And do you know what? That's the way some people's lives are. They drive on a manual stick and ain't never drove them. About to throw their neck out of whack. God wants us to have automatic transmission. You know, when I drive, a, when I drive my truck, it has those windshield wipers on it. Y'all ever, you know, you hit those windshield wipers and it's got a button on it that you can set it to come in intervals where it'll kind of intermittently do it, you know. And a lot of times, my wife has a sensor on her truck that it'll do it automatically when it starts raining and drops hit the windshield, it'll come on. But you know what aggravates me about that thing? You'll be driving down the road, Brother Russ, and all of a sudden, and then about five minutes, five minutes later, you know, I think if you're going to do anything, you ought to do it with regularity, all right? Just turn the things on. Don't put it on that timer, that delay. But see, folks, that's what the, that's what the Scripture is trying to say to us right here. It's in the present tense, Steve. That means that we're to be continually filled with the Spirit of God every single day. There is a command for being Spirit-filled. Neely says it's in the imperative mood. It's a command, not a suggestion. Let me ask you something. Are the ten... The things written in the book of Exodus that God gave to Moses, would it, was it called the Ten Suggestions? Was it called the Ten Recommendations? No, it was called the Ten Commandments. And you know what? God says to do some things, and if we don't do it, we're in transgression, right? And God says not to do some things, and if we do that, we're in transgression too. Ladies and gentlemen, He says to us tonight, if you are a born-again believer, you can be totally controlled by the Spirit of God but it's your choice. There's a command for being spirit-filled. You ought to be continuously filled, but you ought to be conspicuously filled. You say, preacher, what do you mean conspicuously filled? Can I ask you a question? When they in Acts chapter 6 voted in this first seven deacons, did they send out questionnaires to all the men in the church and have them fill it out so they could figure out who was qualified and who wasn't? No. It said that he said they said, pick you out men that are of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. You know what? I believe when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you'll not only know it, but everybody around you will too. I'll tell you how you know if you're filled with the Spirit or not. Get in traffic about 5.30 in the afternoon around here. We'll see how controlled in the, by the Spirit you really are. Because, see, I heard an old Korean proverb say, and it ain't Bible, but it's a good thing. Korean proverb said this. said, a can half full of rock shaking makes a lot of noise, but a can full of rock shaking makes none. Think about that. A can half full of rock shaking, Matt, makes a lot of noise, but a can full of rock shaking makes none. Let me ask you something. When you're sitting at a red light and you... You know, your car cuts off on you, or you're just sitting there praising the Lord and listening to music. You ain't seen the thing turn green. And somebody behind you, it's in a hurry to go nowhere fast in Birmingham, by the way. I don't know why people's in such a hurry. You might as well take your time. I mean, you ain't going anywhere fast around here, especially at 4.45 in the afternoon. 
But the guy behind you wants to get somewhere and he's like, bruh, 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 get out of the way, I gotta get to church, you know, or something. <laughs> Let me ask you something. When you get your buttons pushed like that, if you ain't full of the Spirit of God, you'll make a lot of noise. But if you half full, you're gonna make a lot. If you half full. If you're full of the Spirit of God, you ain't gonna make any noise. That means you ain't going to beat back. That means you ain't going to wave. Well, I won't say that. Uh, you might, well, I hope you don't as a Christian wave at him with one finger. You know what I'm talking about. That's not being filled with the Spirit of God. And by the way, Jesus knows what you think, and you don't have to say it. You're welcome. You need to be controlled and filled with the Spirit of God. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. You're to be consciously filled. You're to be continually filled. You're to be conspicuously filled. You say, preacher, why are you saying this? Because if you want to give the right opinion of who God is, you can't do that in the flesh. You've got to be controlled by the Spirit of God. But I want to give you a few things tonight about the conditions for being Spirit-filled. You say, well, preacher, what are the conditions i got to meet to be Spirit-filled? They're very easy. These are real simple. You know, I'm just one that just kind of scrapes the cream off the top. You, your pastor back there teaches you deep doctrine. I'm just, you know, I'm one of them that blows in, blows up, and blows out. That's me, all right? Take preacher 51 weeks to figure out how to fix what I just busted up. The conditions, Roy, for being spirit-filled. We look at the command for being spirit-filled, but what are the conditions for being spirit-filled? Well, I'm glad you asked me. Number one, the first one is you got to ask. Isn't that hard? Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus said this, If ye being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Do you want to be filled by the Spirit of God? Then ask Him. He said, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And by the way, the tense of the verbs in that verse is knock and keep on knocking. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Don't give up just because you don't get it the first day. That means you've got to be continually, consciously, conspicuously filled, and the way that you do that is, number one, you ask. Number two, you allow. You know what the word allow means? It means to permit. To give entrance into. I guess it was preacher about three months after I left here last year. I got a call to do a revival in May, the end of May, about 20 miles outside of where I live. Tenakai went over there and I preached, and on Thursday night, a young man walked in. His name was Brandon Mintz. Brandon Mintz wasn't saved. His girlfriend had asked me to pray for him. He came in, he sat down beside of her, long and short of it after the service. He came down the aisle. He knelt at an old-fashioned altar, Dino, and he gave his life to Jesus. I went over and prayed with him. Brandon stood up, and he just didn't get saved. He got up, and he stood here before the whole congregation. He said, I just got saved, and I don't want everybody to know. I just gave my life to Jesus Christ. You know what? That's biblical. He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my heavenly Father, which, uh, before my Father, which is in heaven. Brandon Mintz got up, a child of God, went out of that auditorium a week and three days later, 20 years old. His best friend was getting married, Dino, Saturday. This was on Thursday. The following Saturday, almost 10 days later, his best friend was getting married. He was the best man in the wedding. His little brother, 13 years of age, the young man that was getting married, was in the back seat. Brandon was driving all of them to the wedding. 
30 minutes from getting married, this young man sitting beside of him was, they crested a hill, a drunk driver, Pastor Larry, hit them head on, and all three of them died instantly. Brandon Mint's mom and dad called me to do his funeral. You know what? I had to do his funeral. Of a man. And let me ask you something. I wonder if that boy ever thought that 10 days after he gave his life to Jesus Christ, he'd be in heaven. The Scripture says, Boast not yourself in a mark, for you don't know what a day may bring forth. You know what I'm convinced of, Romani? I'm convinced that that may have been, that may have been, the last opportunity God gave him to get saved. We'll only know that when we get to heaven, but it's my speculation. I preached that boy's funeral, and you know what? Three of his friends came forward in the service and gave their heart to Jesus Christ. God makes no mistakes. But you know what? Brandon Mintz allowed. See, before you can allow the Holy Spirit to control you, you've got to ask Him and allow Him to come in first. See, we have this concept in our minds that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Can I remind you of something? The Holy Spirit is just as much the Son as He is the Father, and the Father the Son has three in one and one in three. The one in the middle died for me. Holy Spirit of God is just as important in His work as the Son is and as the Father is. Now, we're not polytheistic. We serve one God. But He demonstrates Himself in three personages. The Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit of God, when you get saved, comes in and He takes residence in your body. And you know what? He's to guide you. He's the comforter. He's the paraclete. He's the one that comes alongside to encourage. And ladies and gentlemen, you've got to ask Him to fill you, but then you, once you ask Him, you've got to allow Him to do it. I wonder who in this room tonight has not run the white flag of surrender up and you're holding on to a few little trinkets in this life and God says, I want them too. I want that part too. You've got to allow. But thirdly, you've got to abide. It means to rest. It means to stand in. Jesus said this in John chapter 15. He said, Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. He said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He said, He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Help me out here. For without me you can do... Let me say it again. For without me you can do... You better never forget that. Roy, there was no way that any of us could go on out there and sing today or you preach the untainted Word of God or Steve, you do it too unless we were controlled by the Spirit of God. Aren't you glad that He was with us today? In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Let them laugh. Let them scoff. But I'll tell you this, I'm going to shout glory all the way to heaven because I know the King of kings and Lord of lords and they can know Him too. How, do you be, how can you be controlled by the Spirit of God? Well, number one, you ask Him. Number two, you allow Him. Number three, you abide in Him. There's a lot of people in this room tonight, I can guarantee you, that are restless. Isn't it amazing? You can go to the doctor, you can go to the, 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 the chemist down the street, and you can get sleeping pills, can't you? You can get pills to help you sleep. But I ain't found a chemist yet that sells resting pills. Only way you get rest, Romani is to be sheltered in the arms of Jesus. You stand in Him.
And I, just like we sang the, the, the song tonight, In Christ Alone. Well, we've seen the command for being Spirit-filled. We've seen the conditions. You ask, you allow, you abide, Peter. But number three, I want you to look at the characteristics for being Spirit-filled. The characteristics. Look at verse 19. I'll be done in about four hours. All right, good. Nine, verse number 19, very quickly. I promise I'll move fast. You just listen fast, all right? Uh, verse number 19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. If you want to know the characteristic of a Spirit-filled individual, they'll be a singing Christian. They'll have a song in their heart. Do you know, folks, I know a lot of people can sing, but we've got something to sing about. Do you hear me? I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always dear. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives, John. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives? He lives within my heart. we got something to sing about. Let me ask you something. Are you a singing Christian? Or do you... I have watched Steve in meetings, grown men stand and look down the pew whether or not anybody's watching and lip sync it and not singing a word because they scared somebody they're they going to hit a bad note or something. What's wrong with us? If my Bible tells me correctly, it says make a joyful. Now we can all do that, can't we? We can all do that. You might not be able to sing good, but you can keep, you can make a joyful noise. If you're spirit-filled, you'll be a singing Christian. But number two, look at verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, if you're spirit-filled, it will demonstrate itself. Number one, you'll be a singing Christian. But number two, you'll be a sacrificial Christian. Ladies and gentlemen, I was preaching, a, I was preaching in a church about four months ago. I'm going to tell you, it broke my heart, Pastor Larry. I was preaching in Augusta, Georgia, Lumpkin Road Baptist Church. I stood in the pulpit and before I preached, he said, preacher, can I ask you to do something? You're getting ready to preach out of Philippians. Can I have one of our young men come up and quote the, uh, the passage that you're going to preach from? I said, well, sure. Come on up. This little boy got out of his seat. He was 13 years of age, walked with a limp like this. He come up to the pulpit, he stood in that pulpit, and he read. He didn't read it, he had it memorized, and he quoted it. This young man had what they call cerebral palsy. I wish you could have heard him quote the whole chapter of uh, second, uh, uh, Philippians chapter number 2. Can you imagine standing there, and I was so humbled because here I am, sometimes... Well, Pastor Larry and Pastor Russell identify with me. A lot of times we just say, you know what, God, I, I ain't much and I can't do this no more. I ain't effective. I ain't doing... Wah. You know, get your thumb out of your mouth, Brian. My goodness. Like a bunch of little babies. And this boy got up there and he said, I mean, he was like, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. I mean, it broke my heart, man. He went through and quoted the whole chapter. And then he sat down. And you know what I thought? I thought to myself... I can guarantee you that God in heaven had a smile on His face. And He had, listen, He was saying, thank God somebody's praising me. You know what? There are people that I know, I can guarantee you that bull will be left around to the rapture. Because there's enough people that sit in a pew and won't open their mouth and they got plenty of abilities to do so. And that boy had every right to quit on God. You know, I mean, honestly, in the flesh. 
But he didn't. He's still serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's still praising his name. Hey, listen, if you want to be con considered a spirit-filled Christian and know that you are, and everybody else around you know you are, you'll be a singing Christian, but you'll be a sacrificial Christian. The Bible says, sacrifice unto him the sacrifice of praise. When's the last time you really got down in your prayer closet and you say, God, give me this, give me this, I need this, I need this. When's the last time you got down and you said, God, can I just sit here and praise you for your goodness to me? You hadn't given me, listen, you haven't given me what I deserve. If we got what we would deserve, guess where we'd be? But lastly, look at verse 21 and I'm done. If you want to be considered a spirit-filled Christian, the characteristics of them is, number one, you'll be a singing Christian. Number two, you'll be a sacrificial Christian. But number three, Peter, you'll be a submitted Christian. Hello. Boy, there's a word we want to omit from the Bible now. It ain't politically correct, but it's biblically correct. It says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. How many preachers get up and say, you know what? You children need to submit to your parents. Uh, wives, you need to submit to your husbands. All that's good. That's right in Ephesians chapter 5. But before any of that said, it says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You know what? I've told many ladies before. I said, y'all got a great, y'all got it, y'all got it good that are married. Say, why? Because you know what submission is? Submission is you ducking so God can hit your husband. That's what submission is. <laughs> you know, pow. No, really. The Bible says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You know what I found out in the work of Jesus Christ? There's no superiors, Tenica, nor inferiors. There's only equals. Only equals. I'm not some big shot. I haven't arrived. I'm not, I'm not all that. Matter of fact, I don't care if anybody ever knows my name. I really don't. Some would care to forget it. But that's not the point. The point is I want to do everything I do, whether therefore I eat or drink or whatever I do, I want to do it all to the glory of God. And the only way I'm going to do that, let me tell you something. You can do just as many things in the flesh as you can in the Spirit, but the problem is, Who's going to get the glory out of the fleshly things and who's going to get the glory out of the spirit-filled things? I've seen a lot of people kick it into neutral and preach and had seemingly what they thought was the power of God on their life and the whole time they was living in an adulterous affair. They were having all kind of stuff going on in their life. You know what? They were doing it and it seemed to be on the surface good, but you know what it was? It was wood, hay, and stubble. It wasn't gold, silver, and precious stone. To be a spirit-filled Christian, you'll be a... Listen, if you are, you'll be a singing Christian. You'll be a sacrificial Christian you'll be a submitted Christian. That means, you know what, church member? Your pastor is your leader. Hello? Can I get a partial amen right there? He's your leader. The Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over thee, as they watch for your souls, that they may give an account of what you've done, and it won't be profitable if they have to give a bad one for him, it'll be unprofitable for you. Don't you be the one in this church or in your church when you go back home that when we get to heaven, your pastor stands before Jesus and gives an account of his church and when your name's mentioned, he goes, Lord, I wish I could say, I wish I could say something really, really nice, but man, you know what? All they did was sow discord. 
All they did was complain and nag and gripe. If you're all of those things, you're not spirit-filled. Young people, I don't care. You know what? I don't call teenagers teenagers anymore. You don't know why? Because that word ain't in the Bible. You either got young children or old children. And by the way, just because you're old and you may be out of the house and you married doesn't mean that you ought not still respect and honor your parents. I know what I'm talking about. I broke my mom and dad's heart. And I wish I could go back and take it, take it away. But thank God he did. But some of the memories are etched in my, in my brain of the things that I did to hurt my parents and the words that I said because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Young people, be spirit-filled. Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. The Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Now I want to ask you a question tonight. Are you filled with the Spirit of God? You've got just as much of Him as you had today you got saved, but you know what? You can either resist His incoming, you can grieve His indwelling, or you can quench His outgoing. Let me say that again. You can resist His incoming if you're not saved tonight. You can resist it and say, I don't want nothing to do with it. You can resist His incoming, you can grieve His indwelling, or you can quench His outgoing. Are you filled with the Spirit? If you are, you'll have a song in your heart. I love songs. Y'all know that I love. I love songs. But one of my favorite sums it up. The Spirit-filled life. If you're Spirit-filled, this song is real to you. The words are like this. On a hill called Calvary, Jesus my Lord suffered for me, carried the cross all the way, my sins to atone. Then they nailed Him to the cross. Great was the pain and the loss. He suffered it all because He loved me. Then they carried Him away, placed Him in a lowly grave. Surely they thought that this would be the end of this man. But on that third and glorious day, God came and rolled the stone away. He rose from the dead because He loves me. Because He loves me, my Savior died. On the cross was crucified. No greater love by mortal man has ever been known. Oh, praise His dear name, He loves me so. Now I am His, He's mine, I know. He conquered it all because He loves me. What about you tonight? Do you have a song in your heart, really? Are you bitter and angry? I promise you, you can't be spirit-filled and hold on to them things. What about you tonight? The most vital key to victory in your life is to be influenced and totally controlled by the Spirit of God. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around tonight. Before we go to the Lord in prayer and sing our invitation, I want to ask a couple questions. Number one, are you in this room?
and you've allowed the Spirit of God to come into your life, and you've asked Christ to save you, and you've been born again. Listen, folks, if you're born once, you'll die twice. But if you're born twice, you'll only die once, and you may not even die once because the rapture could take place before I say amen. Are you in this room tonight, young people, mom and dad, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you could take a Bible and show me not an emotion, but you could take a Bible and show me how you know you're saved. You'd say, preacher, I know I am. I know I am, and I can raise my hand right now that I know I am. Once you put it up, you can put it down. God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Thank you. I wonder if you're in this room and you're concerned about your spiritual condition. Enough that you'd say, preacher, pray for me. I don't point you out, but I just want you to say, preacher, will you pray for me? I'm not sure that I'd spend eternity in heaven with the creator of the universe. But I want to. I want to go, but I'm just not sure I would. You would say just with an uplifted hand, Preacher, will you pray for me? Anybody like that? Say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I am, but I want to be. God bless you. Anybody else? Say, Preacher, will you please pray for me? I'm not sure I am, but I want to be. I want to pray for you. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, can I do this? I want you to pray, Christians, if you're in this room. I want you to pray right now. If you raised your hand, there's nobody looking. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you raised your hand that you weren't sure you'd go to heaven, but you want to, will you just look up at me right now? Did you mean it? Did you mean it? I promise you, based upon what this says, and not what Brian says, that you could know today. Not hope, not think, but you can know. All you've got to do is say, Jesus, it ain't what I've done for you, but what you did for me. And the Scripture says, these things have I written unto you that you believe on His name, you may know. It didn't say think or hope, it said know that you have eternal life. You can pass from death unto life tonight if you'll just put your trust not in what you've done, but what He did. Now I'm going to ask for heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you want to do that tonight, I promise you, based upon what that Bible says, not what I say, if you mean it in your heart, God will save you right where you're sitting if you'll do this. Silently pray with me, Lord Jesus. I'm so sorry. I know I have sinned. And my sin has separated me from you. Now God, I know that you love me. And it's been told to me this weekend that you sent your son to die for me. And I want to trust him right now with my life. I want to run the white flag up and trust him. And I'm asking him to save me right now. In Jesus' name, now with nobody looking around, if you prayed that and you meant it, I mean you really meant it in your heart, do you realize God just saved you right where you're sitting? I wonder if you'd say, Preacher, I prayed that and I want to just raise my hand and just say, Praise the Lord, and I want to praise the Lord with you. And you'd say, Preacher, I prayed that and I meant it. Anybody like that? God bless your heart. God bless your heart. Anybody else? Anybody? Praise the Lord. Good God bless you. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you something, Christian. You ought to rejoice in, you ought to rejoice right where you're sitting because the angels in heaven are doing it right now. Now, I'm going to ask you to do this. You're going into your sessions here in just a minute to talk. I'd ask you to get with your counselor, your leader. Come to me. Come to Pastor Larry or Pastor Russ. We'd love to take and just hug your neck and pray with you and welcome you to the family of God. I'd love nothing more than the privilege of doing that. But Christian, can I ask you something tonight? Are you filled 
totally controlled and influenced by the Spirit of God. I want you to search your heart. I'm not even going to ask for a raise of hands, but search your heart. If God's spoken to you, search your heart. Father, in Jesus' name, I rejoice and I thank God for how you work. I'm thankful when you come on the scene, you don't take sides. You just go ahead and take over. And Lord, you had your will and your way tonight, and I praise you for it. Now, God, work in the hearts and lives of your people, and thank you, Lord. Thank you for the ones that came forward. Raise their hand that they accepted Christ. Lord, I praise the Lord for their decision, and it's the greatest and most important question they'll ever answer in their life. They did it, and I praise you for it. Give them boldness, Lord, I pray, in these days to come. We'll love and praise you because we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.